It was leprosy. He said, "Uh, excuse me, king, but you're looking pretty sad right now. And Uzziah recognized that he had leprosy and it was a defilement to the temple. And the priest says, get this guy out of here. He's defiled the temple of the Lord. And he became a leper to the day of his death. It was pride. It was eye disease. He was interested in just me, myself, and I. He started out beautiful, emulating the graces of God to his children. But then he became prideful. He thought, I am so powerful, I am so great. You see, he thought there was only two great people in the world and he was still looking for the other one. Now, his son Jotham, in looking at his dad's life, was able to follow step by step in the direction that his father set for him. However, when it came to this area of entering into the temple of the Lord and playing priest, he didn't do it. That's what it means. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. You see, oftentimes, when someone very spiritual blows it big time, it is often used as an excuse for others to do the same. It becomes very tempting. You think, well, if he's so spiritual and he blew it, even though you might not say it in, in your heart many times, you're thinking, I can let my standards down as well. That is why God often attacks leaders in the spiritual community. If he can attack a leader who is an example to hundreds or thousands or even millions of people, if he can get that person to stumble and fall, then people many times will lower their own standards. They think, look, he's a man of God. If he can do it, what's wrong if I do it? And many times kids will do that with their parents. They will often follow in the same kind of sins because that's the role model, that's the example that was set for them since they were a kid. Sin spreads more sin. Sin spreads more sin. If we lower our standards, sometimes others looking at us will tend to lower their own standards, but not Jotham. Instead of looking at his dad and thinking of, this is an excuse for me to sin too, He used it as a beacon, a red light, a warning signal. Stay away. Don't do this. I'm sure that as Jotham saw his dad as a leper the rest of his life, not being able to come home and eat dinner in the evenings, having to be shut away in a private kind of a house outside from the city, he thought, whoa, I'm not going to disobey God. I'm not going to use this as an excuse to blow it like my dad did. I'm going to follow in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to copy the good things that he did, not the bad things, because there is the result of sin. Now, it doesn't take a genius to look at sin and stay away from it. Yet so many people follow in the sins of others. If you are out boating and you see a boat in front of you, veer over to the right and crash on the rocks. What are you going to do? Oh boy, let's go do it too. If they can do it, I can do it. No, if you're smart, you're going to veer away from it so that you don't get crunched. Well, so it is when we see something in the life of other people. Don't use that as an excuse. Well, they blow. Did you hear? So-and-so got a divorce. They did. I thought they were so spiritual. You mean that preacher got a divorce? Huh. 
Well, I've been sort of thinking the same thing. I guess if he can do it, everybody looked up to him. Many people think that way. Not Jotham. He stirred away from his dad's sin. What do you do when you see somebody fall in the church? When you see someone blow it, whether it's on television or locally in your body, there's a few things you can do. Number one, you can gossip. Oh, we love to hear it. Did you hear about this? Oh, oh, I'm sorry that happened. I won't tell anybody. You can count on me. Oh, but the, it burdens me so much. I've got to let this out to somebody. I've got to confide in somebody. So you get your best friend. Oh, really? Don't worry. I'll keep it. I, I promise. And everybody's confiding in everybody else. And everybody knows about it. And you know, that's just gossip. And when a person gossips about somebody else's fall, do you know that your sin of gossip is worse than the sin that that person committed? Because the person, the sin that that person committed is bad enough, but you're spreading it all around. It's like the speck in the eye versus the beam. Oh yes, what they did is a speck, but what you're doing is a beam. You're spreading it around. So you can gossip. Or number two, you can kick them while they're down. You sinned? You blasphemer. You can play holier than thou. You can say, Lord, as you beat your breast three times, I thank you that I'm not like that poor, miserable, wretched sinner over there. Or you can humble yourself. You can use it as a beacon, a warning signal to steer away from it. And you can say, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could have done it too. It says, if a brother is overtaken with a fault, you who are spiritual, so make sure you meet the qualifications first, you restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Jotham looked at his dad's sin, didn't kick him, didn't gossip, he just didn't do it. He followed in the ways of the Lord. Now in verse 1. It says Jotham was 25 years old when he became king. That's pretty young, isn't it? 25 years old to become a king, to have so much power. Actually, way before the age of 25, he sat on the throne. Nominally, he held a position because his dad had leprosy, right? His dad had leprosy and he was forbidden to sit on the throne. He was ushered away somewhere outside of the city. Which means that his son nominally occupied the position, although he didn't rule the kingdom. But from a very young age, in his early 20s, he had incredible power as the monarch over Judah. Now I bring this up because I would think that it would be pretty scary to be 25 and be king over a nation. That's a lot of power. In fact, if I wasn't the king and someone 25 was ruling over the kingdom, I'd be scared too. I remember when I was in training for radiology, some of the young doctors would come and see some of the older patients. They were interns or residents, and many of them had long hair and beards. They were very qualified. But they looked unqualified. And I remember the older patients going, Don't you have a real doctor around here somewhere? You know, someone my age... Power is intoxicating. Someone said power is intoxicating like alcohol, except alcoholics can recover. Someone who's been intoxicated with power seldom recovers. 
Now, there are dangers that are associated with youth. And one of those dangers is that young people think they know more than everybody else. Don't we, young people? It's just a common mistake. I think everybody makes it. There are a few who wise up. They get over it once they have their own children who say the same things they said to their dad and mom. They think they're wiser, they know more, that their family's duds and squares and blowing it. But my point, to get back to the point, is that Jotham was 25 years old and he was used mightily of God. He had incredible power that God entrusted to him. And he was able to handle it because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God, therefore he became mighty. There's a lot of people you could sit on that throne who couldn't handle it. Jotham could. He was ready. He was prepared. I want to encourage young people to press on to be used by God. You are tomorrow's spokesman or today's spokesman. You can be used of the Lord in a mighty way. I have a real heart for young people because I am a young people. Let me ask a question, a show of hands. How many of you here came to know the Lord after 25 years of age? Please raise your hands up high. That's a significant number. You can put your hands down. How many of you came to know the Lord before you were 25 years old? Raise your hands. Big difference, huh? You see, there's a lot of young'uns here in this church. There's a lot of energy with all of these people. With every person. With youth, with youth, there is an energy that goes along with it. You have a whole lot longer to live for the Lord. Use it. Prepare your ways before the Lord. Now I want you to look at verse 2 again. We notice something else. It says, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. But still, the people acted corruptly. The parallel passage to this is found in 2 Kings, and it says that he did what was right in the eyes of God. He didn't follow in his father's sinful footsteps, but he copied his father's good things. However, the people of Israel and Judah still burned incense in the high places, still acted corruptly in following idolatry. So here we have a picture of a king who decides to follow God, but the rest of the people are following idols. And the northern kingdom in Israel is polluted with idolatry. So here we have one person who is acting uncorrupted in the midst of corruption. The whole nation is going one direction. He decides to live above the corruption of the people. Now that's not easy. It's not easy to swim in a sewer and come out smelling nice. It's not easy to stand when everybody's going one direction and you say, you know what? You can go that direction. I'm going this direction. You know, Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. And very few people enter in that way. But wide is the way that leads to destruction. And most people go that way. Well, it's not easy when people are going one stream, one direction away from God for you to stand up in the midst of them alone and say, if you want to go that way, that's your choice. I'm following Jesus. And that's Jotham's choice. He stood up in the midst of an evil society and he followed the Lord. Now, most of us, like Jotham, have the same kind of circumstances. We have evil around us all the time. 
Wherever you work, you hear profanity. You watch things that grieve your heart. Now, some of us are sheltered away in Christian ministry, and we need to get out and see it too and stay in touch with it too, lest we forget. But most of us, like Jotham, see and hear and feel corruption around us all the time. And sometimes it really is a drag. We think, I don't like this. I feel led to get involved somewhere just with Christians. I want a Christian ministry. I want to be away from the pollution. However, Jesus insisted, insisted that we live and work and act out our Christianity. Christianity. That's English, British form for Christianity. Christianity. <laughs> alongside of the filth of this world. Alongside of cussing. Alongside of partying. That we stick it out right there. That we don't cut the nerve. Otherwise we forget what it was like. Jesus said, Lord, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them in the world. Don't take them out, but preserve them like Jotham. Make them mighty. Let them become strong in the midst of an evil society. In fact, Jesus said, behold, I send you. I send you out like a bunch of sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, I'm sending you right out in that kind of a situation. Now, he didn't do it so we'd be gobbled up by the wolves. He did it so that we could turn them into sheep. We could be the salt of the world, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. In the midst of that, he insisted that we live right alongside them. The principle is this. If you are filled with the word of God, if your ways are prepared before the Lord. But you don't live in the world, you become fat. You just get on this little spiritual hideaway and you just kind of blimp out spiritually. You're taking it all in, you're not giving it all out. Now, if you don't prepare your ways before God, you don't take in the word of God, you don't become strong, become mighty in the Lord, and you live in the world, you become like the world. You take on their characteristics. But if you become strong, if you prepare your ways before the Lord, and you live in the world in that condition, you're going to make a difference. You know, this word, in fact, mighty, it says in verse 6, he became mighty because he prepared his ways. Part of the meaning means to be resistant to certain things. Able to resist tough, hard against attacks. Like the walls of Jerusalem that were being fortified that we spoke about. You're able to withstand attack. Now, another circumstance that I have brought out here that is not in this chapter is the fact that Jotham was blessed with godly influences. You'd have to read other portions of Scripture, and we're not going to do that today. You'd have to read Isaiah, 2 Kings. But there were prophets walking around whom Jotham knew personally. One of them was Isaiah. Jotham was intimately acquainted with Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah was running around Jerusalem telling people to get right with God during the reign of Jotham. And Jotham knew him very well. And I'm sure he was a spiritual blessing it was an advantage for him to rub shoulders with such a man. He had a godly influence. Isaiah was sort of like the Billy Graham of Judah. He was a preacher of the gospel. He was more or less a statesman 
he had a political kind of an arena, maybe more like Pat Robertson then. He was well known in the political circles. He exerted great influence among many people. Micah was also around during the days of Jotham. Now, Micah was your country preacher, your hellfire and brimstone revivalist, the shout-me-down type. But Jotham knew these men. They were examples to him. I'm sure often he got away from the court of his responsibilities and sat down with Isaiah. Probably went to Isaiah's kinship or something. The point that I'm making from this Cultivate Christian companionship. Cultivate friendship. Rub shoulders with those who rub shoulders with Jesus. If you find a person who has a strong relationship, sit at their feet. Drink in all that you can. Don't be prideful because there's going to be a a day when they won't be in your presence anymore. Learn from them. Rub shoulders as much as you can with those people who really walk close with the Lord. That's what Samuel did. Samuel had his Eli, who became a spiritual kind of a example to him. Timothy had his Paul. Jonathan and David had each other. Cultivate spiritual friendships. Now finally, is this phrase that you've all been asking about. What does it mean? He prepared his ways before the Lord is God. Verse 6. This is the secret of his life. Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. If you look at the circumstances of his life, he was young. How could he have so much power? He prepared his ways before the Lord. He had such evil influence around him. How could he stick it out in the midst of that kind of corruption? He prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now, what does that mean? Well... I looked it up because it's a difficult kind of a phrase, but it is a singular phrase that it is really only used once in the scripture. And that's here. And I have a book called 26 Translations of the Bible. And there are literally 26 of them in a row. And let me read a few of them to you. The American Standard Bible translates it this way. Because he ordered his ways before Jehovah, his God. The Rotherham translation says he fixed which is to fix permanently his ways before his God. The Berkeley translation, he established his ways before the Lord, his God. The New English version, he maintained a steady course of obedience to the Lord, his God. And the New American Bible, he lived resolutely in the presence of the Lord, his God. Now, summing all of those translations up, And trying to give you a meaning, it is a picture. It is a word that is used of a traveler, a passenger who would take out a map and would survey where he's going to go and carefully plan and plot so that he doesn't make dumb mistakes. It is a picture of a Christian who takes all of his ambitions, all of his options, and he places them before the Lord under the eye of God, and he filters every possibility that he could do through this filter. Does it please the Father? Will this action glorify God? Would God want me to date that person? Would it be in the best interest of the kingdom of God for me to move to that place? He filters all of life's activity through the filter of pleasing God. He says, I'm under the eye of God. I want to please the Lord. I want to do what is right in His sight. I want you to notice that it says Jotham 
prepared his way before the Lord. Not before all of the kings of the nations around him. I don't think he really cared about what other people thought about him. I'm sure he didn't think, you know, I want to consult with all of these pagan kings around me to see if if I do this, if I follow this course of godliness, will I still be cool in their eyes? Will they think I'm hep? He didn't prepare his ways before the people of Judah. He didn't care what they thought about him. He cared what God thought about him. He plotted his course. He mapped out his way before the Lord. I want to be strong like Jotham. I want to grow strong and become mighty. I want to be able to be resistant to evil. I want to be like a fortified wall that is becoming more and more mighty, strong. How? First of all, I must order my life according to God's standard, which, by the way, is usually the very opposite of the standard of this world. People are going to be going that direction. You have to be determined. I don't care if they all go that direction. I'm not going to be swayed by them. I'm going to be swayed by the Lord. I want to make sure that He likes what I'm doing, that I'm pleasing in His sight. You know, I'm thinking of Pilate right now, who as he stood before Jesus, we think Jesus stood before Pilate. In actuality, Pilate was standing before Jesus in judgment. Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. I find no fault in this man. Let him go, he was saying. But then there is a sad little footnote that says, but the voices of the people prevailed. The crowd swayed Pilate into making the wrong choice. Boy, that's a temptation, isn't it? You want to make a stand for the Lord, but the crowd is saying the opposite. The crowd is yelling at you to do something totally different. And it's easy to be swayed by that. As we close, I want you to look at uh, this one little word in verse 6. Prepared. Jotham became mighty. That is, he grew more and more in strength, able to be mighty warrior for God, resistant to evil, because he prepared his way. Which means to plan in advance. How many people have you met who have said something like, oh, I wish I could undo some of the things that I've done. Oh, if I could go back and live it all over again and change the history of my own life. But you can't, it's too late. Some of that is due to poor planning. I'm talking about literally, folks, taking your schedule out. You busy yuppies and businessmen, you've got your daytimers chock full of stuff. Lay it out before the Lord daily and say, okay, here's all my appointments today, Lord. I want to lay it out before you. I want you to order my day. I want you to speak to me. Maybe I should knock off a couple of them and give priority time to something else. Lord, should I be doing this? I'm planning this. Do you want me to do that? Pouring it out before God, mapping out what you plan to do. Include God in it daily. Be prepared. Don't take and prepare your way before the office crew or before your friends or before the television, but before the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you should plan out your whole life and just say, well, you know, uh, just plan it all out. Go on your own. Make five-year plans and stick to it. Apart from God. 
Because the scripture does say that when you make your plans, you should be flexible and say if the Lord wills. I'm not saying that you should be inflexible. I'm not saying that you shouldn't include God. I'm saying that you should plan ahead in the presence of God. Remember, when Noah built his ark, it wasn't raining. Now, what if he would wait till oh, I, I want some proof, God? He prepared. Of course, the greatest preparation is to be right with God. And that's a message for Christian and non-Christian alike. Some of you who have never decided to ask Jesus to become captain of your ship, and you find your boat crashed on the rocks from time to time, you think, you know, this is getting real old. Perhaps it's time today to plan, to think clearly, and to plan your future. There was a nobleman who had a person in his kingdom who he considered a great fool. And he gave him his staff. And he said, my friend, I think you're the biggest fool I've ever met. I'm giving you this staff and I want you to hold on to it. And I want you to give it to a fool that is more foolish than you are someday, if you ever meet one. A couple years later, the nobleman saw this person who was a fool, but the nobleman this time was dying. And he called the fool to himself and he says, now, my friend, I'm dying. I'm going to a far country. I'm going to the other side of life. I'm taking a long journey. And the fool said, well, how long are you going to be gone? A day? He said, no. Well, a week? No. A month? No. A year? No. I'm going to be gone for good. Well, what preparations have you made for this long journey? Well, I haven't really made any preparations for this long journey. And so he gave the staff back to the nobleman. And he said, you know what? I really am a big fool. But I'm not dumb enough to go on a long journey and not make preparations for it. Here, you're a bigger fool than I am. If you're going to step into eternity without having your heart right with God, you are a fool. Prepare your way before the Lord your God. Heavenly Father, I ask now that all of us would take heed to your word. Make sure that our life is pleasing in your sight. We too live in very corrupt times. Some of us are very young. Some of us have had bad role models for dads or moms. But all of us can prepare our ways before you. What causes us to be strengthened? To consider our days that we're but dust. To consider our life. In Jesus' name.